good to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. And welcome back to the Dave's I Know uh, podcast, episode 207, the one with Alexi Lawless, which is probably going to be the, uh, the name of the podcast. Um, we have uh, with us here, um, first, MJ. MJ, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Excellent. Jessica, how are you doing? Uh, a little bit nervous, but good. Cool. And then we have some guy named Alexi. Uh, Alexi, how are you doing? Hey guys, MJ, riveting stuff so far, by the way, on the pod, uh, really off to a, a bang there. Um, and uh, Jessica, you look great. Okay. I don't know why you're slumming it with these two, uh, but <laughs> you know, I mean, charity, your charity knows no end. So I appreciate that. And I do appreciate you uh, letting me on and uh, having me on the show. So I'm excited to, uh, you guys are about Minnesota, right? Is that what the, is that what the uh, topic's about? Kind of a little bit. Yeah. Mostly Minnesota. Now you guys um, are still part of the union, right? Uh, up there in, uh, in Minnesota. <laughs> I'm from Michigan. And, you know, we, we don't even talk about Minnesota oftentimes. We just kind of put it out of our, our, our thoughts. But uh, congratulations if you still still are uh, and uh, welcome or not welcome, but congratulations on continuing to be a part of this uh, this great nation. All right. What are we talking about today? What are we drinking today? First off, that's most importantly. Uh, what, 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 do we, what do we got? I can see some of the stuff over here. Good, good question. Um, first of all, I'll say we are still part of the union. We would probably would have liked to um, uh, secede Maybe. to Canada, but, you know, it's Canada and, and they, you know. Um, Michigan uh, does have legalized marijuana now, which is pretty nice. So there is that. So there's nothing yeah, wrong great. with Michigan. So we can get crazier. Yeah. So uh, I am drinking a rum hams because, you know, uh, my namesake, I something I created uh, years and years and years ago. And, you know, once you create a brand, you're stuck with it. So That's as it. you, as you go with it, Alexi Lawless, as you well know, once you create a brand, you're stuck <laughs> with it. That's so. it. Milk it for all it's worth. I can see you. You're, you're, you know, you're pulling the little teats as we go. That's beautiful. I'm drinking Dubliner Irish whiskey that's aged in bourbon cask. Oh, wow. And, and, it, and it is amazing. Wow. Mainly because it's in my price point. And Jessica, you have some sort of uh, you know, orange concoction that I can see from over here. I am drinking Fanta, orange okay. soda, or nice. pop, if you will, with opulent vodka made in America. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. All right. I'm pro- I got like a white claw going. So there you that's, go. That's as good right. as it's going to get. I'm also double fisting a Kirkland hard what? seltzer. So, oh, they, so I mean, uh, so my uh, my friends over there, um, uh, you know, the Rob Stones of the world and, and uh, Stu Holden's and they make fun of me all the time because of my affinity for the, the seltzer. I guess it's a craze. I mean, I've, I've gone through a bunch of these. We had like, you know, wine coolers, Bartles and James and, and that kind of stuff back in back in my day. And they, they sent me some articles about how the seltzer thing is going away. It was a fad and going away. I actually like it. I will I will fight people when it comes to the White Claw. I know it's it's you know, very young and, uh, and stuff. And people laugh at me when I say that I drink White Claw, but I actually uh, I like the seltzer stuff. So that's what I'm going with. What flavor of White Claw? Alexa? It's the uh, the white cherry or the, the red cherry or the the um, the berry, whatever the berry one is that uh, a lot of people like. So. All right. 
Well, speaking of booze, uh, if you want to get on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Daves I know, uh, we still have, I still, there's still a few people out there who have not picked up your red car dry. Please let me know um, how I can get that. Otherwise, I will drink it. Yeah. Um, Heath Out Stout, uh, the second version of Heath Out Stout is coming very, very soon. Um, be on your lookout to your email for uh, for some. Uh, now that the Premier League is starting, I'm going to be at the Blackheart a shit ton. So I'll just, I'll just throw a bunch of it in my trunk and you can always just come holler at me and pick it up. So uh, if you want to get involved in that, patreon.com slash the Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know. Um, all right. Well, since we have uh, three time, three time World Cup veteran, right? 90, two time, two time, 94, 94 and 98. Yeah. And two time Olympics. Yeah, ninety two. Yes. Yeah, ninety two and ninety six. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we figured we would start the the podcast by asking Alexi some asinine questions, uh, just to you know loosen him up and, and get him ready. Perfect. Why should this be any different than any other pod? Perfect. I know okay, exactly, good. right? So um, so I'm gonna start. Uh, we'll, we'll actually we'll kick it off with uh, MJ. MJ, first question, please. Who was your favorite center backs that you played alongside with for club and or country? I actually, I just saw him uh, this past uh, week in Vegas for the final of the Gold Cup, uh, Marcelo Balboa. And, and you know, we, we, uh, we, we shared an affinity for <laughs> over-the-top hair. He has been able to continue it. I, I have not been so, uh, so lucky, but I saw him the other day. He, he used to kick any. We both used to kick anything that moved. It was back in a day when you could kick anything that moved. So it's uh, it's Marcelo. I, I love him. He he saved my ass on a consistent basis when I would do dumb stuff. And I like to think every once in a while I came to his uh, to his aid. But it was just so much fun playing next to somebody who loved the the tackle, loved the aerial game. Uh, but also, you know, was able to play uh, much more so than than I think people give him uh, credit for. So it was really fun uh, seeing him. He's gone on every almost every single person from my generation that I played with is still directly or or very loosely, uh, you know, indirectly involved with the game. So I'm glad that so many people have stayed a part of it. Yeah. Marcelo Babbo. There you go. And Excellent. since you mentioned kicks anything that moves in your brief time in Ecuador, <laughs> did Comable is known for being kind of more roughhousery. Did you find that to be true or was U.S. soccer and just as roughhousery as as? South America at the time. Yeah, so I went down to Ecuador, a, a place that I had been to play Go, uh, uh, Copa America back in '93. But we, uh, I went down to play for Emelec, which is two big, ba- two, two big teams down there, Emelec and Barcelona. And I went down on a loan just for you know some months and to play some games down there because. Uh, I needed to get some games before this was in 1997 going into 98 as we were getting ready for the World Cup and the offseason from MLS at the time I was playing for uh, the New England Revolution. I needed a place to play. It was nuts. I mean, it is a book in and of itself. Uh, the I, I landed and I walked into the owner's office and he sat me down and proceeded to lecture me for about two hours on the. <laughs> Um, you know, the benefits and the merits of uh, communism and socialism. He gave me a, a watch with Che Guevara on it and, and insisted <laughs> that I wear it while I was down there. Then we flew in like this plane at like a thousand feet to wherever we were going. I got a red card the first game that I was there because I used the only real Spanish I knew, which was soccer Spanish and, and a bunch of swear words. He went into the, the referee room after the game and started screaming and yelling uh, protesting it was just complete mayhem nuttiness uh but it was wonderful and most importantly it was direct deposit in dollars <laughs> <laughs> which is saying a lot nowadays because you know, that's a that's a big that's a big issue yeah, right? some, yeah. it's out there so 
all right. So this we, this is a couple of questions from uh, from our uh, some of our Patreon subscribers. Um, uh, Christian, who's actually Hop Clouds, who actually makes all the, the beer that we give away as part of our Patreon. Um, he's a very awesome dude. He asked, uh, what was it like to transition from a player to um, front office person to commentator? Uh, and how long did it take you to feel comfortable in each of those new different roles? It was so what, what they'll do is they'll tell you, oh, you know, it's all the same type of, um, you know, the lessons that you learned and, you know, some of the, the attributes that you acquired in your, uh, you know, uh, playing that you're going to be able to take with you, you know, leadership and cooperation, co you know, coordination and communication and all the different things that they, uh, that, that they talk about. There are some things, but let's be honest, if you go into a front office or any office for that matter and act like the way you act as a professional player in a locker room or, or on the field, you're going to get fired really quickly. So some of it you have to leave behind and you do. Um, I had never been in that situation. I was very young. I was 33 at the time. I, I learned so much. I made so many mistakes, but I learned so much and I'm so grateful for the uh, the opportunity to see so many men and women that work so hard each and every day and it is a thankless job still it is a thankless job it's gotten better but still it's a thankless job selling the game and you are as a player you're kind of insulated and isolated from what goes on and I wanted to immerse myself and understand the business that was going on and the people up there I also wanted to introduce the players so that there wasn't this barrier. And sometimes it's important to have a separation, but I wanted to at least break it down a little bit so that the players had a, you know, hopefully a newfound uh, or improved respect for what was going on in the, uh, in the front office. And likewise, I wanted the front office folks to see what the players were going through and some of their challenges and, and problems, if you will. And, you know, at times it was okay. I mean, like I said, I make mistakes. At times it was successful. Sometimes it wasn't, but I learned so much and had a really, really good time. The, the biggest challenge is that once that door closes and it closes for every single player, usually, and for the majority of players, not when you want it and the, <laughs> at the time when you least expect it, um, that goes away. Something that you have done since you were a kid every single day just goes away. And there are still players to this day that, have a very, very difficult time finding something to replace it. You will never, ever find something that, uh, that, that replaces it in the exact form. What I've found is that you can find stuff that excites you just as much, that uh, challenges you just, just as much, but it's going to be in a different way. And as soon as you come to that realization and that you have that resolve where you understand that if you continue to chase that feeling, you will never get that exact feeling, but you can find so many other ways. And you very, very quickly realize that you're not in Kansas anymore. You are in a very, very different world. And your ability to kick the ball may have opened up doors and given you opportunities, but it's not going to stay open forever. And once you get in the door, you have to prove yourself all over again. And yeah, you use the stuff that you have from the past, but also don't be afraid to change. And I learned, like I said, changed so much being involved day in and day out with all those wonderful men and women in, in three very distinct and different places in San Jose, in uh, New York, and then in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, so actually, that's, there's a couple of follow-up questions here. Um, so obviously, you are well known for your, your, your takes on the, on the Twitter machine. Um, and I guess I, I think the question that's that one of our, uh, Grady, one of our, uh, Patreon passes is like, how much, like, what percentage of those do you actually believe? And how often are you playing devil's advocate? I tend to believe that when you're saying something, you're being an honest person. And that's something that you truly believe. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but you want to talk about like, 
sure how and why you you because you are you are a lightning rod on on twitter and and that is i think good and bad and um (laughs) this so i i I enjoy what you put out and uh i I know there's lots of people who i'm friends with who absolutely hate you and i you know whatever get in line get in line yeah Uh, okay so first off i want to separate out twitter uh, just in general because to your point I get this question the most of any question out there. Do you believe everything that you say? And, and I, to, a, to, a, to a man or woman, I tell them, uh, and I'm glad to be able to answer this question. Yes, I absolutely yeah. believe. I, I assumed I, you were you were honest. You are nothing yeah, if not I honest. I mean, look, but I also, uh, I don't apologize for the fact that I'm in the entertainment business, okay? Um, the way I say something is as important as what I say. Hopefully, when I'm talking about things, uh, it is in an entertaining and informative uh, formative way. I have a responsibility to make sure that when you tune in for whatever length of time that you tune in, uh, and I feel it's my job to bring you in and to say something that you feel is worth your time. As I said, that doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with me. As a matter of fact, you may vehemently disagree with me. I like to think that even in this day and age, and maybe it's just a hope at this point that we can civilly and respectfully uh, disagree. But, you know, I mean, I I recognize that this is an emotional, uh, emotional type of thing. Just because, you know, I consider myself in the entertainment business and I consider myself a performer and always have, by the way, whether I was a player or whether I am on television, you know, you um, you rehearse, which is the same thing as practice. You walk on a field, which is the same thing as a stage. You put on a uniform, which is the same thing as a costume. You perform in front of spectators, fans, which is the same thing as as an audience. And, you know, that. That aspect of this being a performance, when you say that, sometimes people cringe because they think that you mean uh, that that you mean that that it can't be genuine or authentic, and that's not the case at all. It can be genuine and authentic uh, and and passionate and ultimately truthful in what you're doing. I also grew up in a in a household that forced me to continually uh, have a take on things and to be able to back it up, and at times to find ways to put myself in other people's shoes and look for things that I might have in common or that things uh, that I can argue to make that person's case. In the truest sense of debate out there, if anybody's ever been involved in, uh, in debate out there, this is the type of stuff that you do, right? And I think that that makes, I think that that helps you in forming your own opinions. I think it helps you in understanding the nuance and the layer of different, thing, uh, different things out there. And I, I enjoy it. And so, you know, in, in no way am I ever saying something that I don't believe in. Uh, I'm just looking for something to grasp onto that I think is interesting, that I feel comfortable taking whatever side of that argument is. And let's be honest, when everybody agrees, it's not as interesting, once again, from an entertainment perspective. That's oh, 100%. Uh, and then sort of kind of a, just, just want to let you know from uh, Eric Silver-Benjamin, who's a uh, co-host of uh, the Minnesota football show, um, which is the cover all like world football and all that uh he he's also from brazil or he's brazilian and he wants you to know that uh at least in central goyas in 94 you were postered up on all the bars after sell us house shots and nobody believed the hair goatee color was real so just (laughs) fyi so yeah yeah, i mean the 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 aesthetic that i have and the costume that i have um that was that was manufactured but I don't think that you can do any play a part or wear a costume if there's not a part of you that feels comfortable. And I always felt comfortable in that. But I knew exactly what I was doing. You know, I grew up in the in the 70s and 80s and especially in the 80s where, you know, the DIY type of especially when it comes to music and the way bands went about things and fashion and image and all that kind of I mean, that was when branding kind of came. We didn't call it that back then, but branding, individual branding and, and, and branding of groups kind of came to be. 
And so I knew exactly that you know, there were going to be cameras on you. There was going to be an image that you that you needed to cultivate that would help your you know, individual brand, if you, if you will. And so I set about doing that. And I set about wearing a costume that I felt really, really co confident and comfortable in. All right. Well, speaking of costumes, uh, our next question is from, uh, questions from Jess. Um, Jessica, by the way, uh, had never heard of you when I mentioned that you were coming on the podcast this week. She might be the only soccer fan in the United States who's never heard of Alexi Lawless. So she well, went on a, a musical either, journey. So it's we're, we're we're the same i've never heard of jessica although yeah. she's lovely she's lovely yes she went on a musical journey for lexi lawless so oh my goodness yes, take it away um i can identify with uh the game face then putting on a costume i i i'm an amateur performer um and my stage name is jessica rabbit nice um, so again embracing the gingerdom embracing the red um i'm out gingered you are out gingered so i did a little research into your musical career oh goodness and uh have a couple questions so i understand your musical journey began partially with piano lessons enforced yep. by your mother yep um and that was in michigan correct Yep, Mrs. Van Heusen. Uh, I, I, I was forced to walk the two blocks down uh, every Tuesday night, cursing and screaming my mother uh, for the entire two blocks. And, and I couldn't believe that she made me go. And this Mrs. Van Heusen would sit there and make me do scales and learn all the uh, all the basics and stuff like that. And, you know, I would play the latest song that I heard on the radio and she would smack my fingers. I mean, it was like a, a real uh, Dickens type of situation there. And I hated my mother for it at the time. And I love her so much because uh, it introduced me to something that has been in my life forever, which is music and the foundation that uh, that uh, piano gives you for so many other uh, instruments. So much. I'm a choir kid. I took piano lessons just to get the, um, you know, the the street cred, if you will. Yep. yep. Um, oh, I took I, I, I had, you know, I was in uh, uh, all glee clubs and barber shops and acapella <laughs> groups and chamber singers and all the different stuff. Because I was good at it and because it was an automatic A, especially at school. And I needed sure. as many of those as possible. <laughs> and I hope it got you some hot dates because it should have. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, good. So when, uh, musically speaking, when would you say, or was there a pivotal turning point when you started uh, really identifying yourself as a musician, as opposed to that kid that's taking enforced piano lessons? Yeah. So like, you know, like a lot of musicians, that moment when you kind of take ownership of the music and your direction in music. And so that can be, um, you know, when you get your first guitar, I remember where I was when I first, mm -hmm. my first acoustic guitar, I, my mother had an old classical guitar and she would sing like, you know, I gave my love a cherry and, and you know, Joan Baez songs and stuff like that. And she taught me a few chords and eventually I said, thanks mom, that's great. And I took it and then graduated onto a, you know, a much better acoustic guitar. I remember her taking me uh, to the music store to buy my first electric guitar. And I did the whole thing, you know, with garage bands and doing all that. And that's where you start to kind of find your, your, your little literal voice, but you know, you're, you're also your pathway when it comes to music and, you know, and then it's, you know, especially back then, you know, music was very different than it is today. And you anticipated albums and you stood in line at record shops and, and, and all well, you had records for that matter, for which kids that are that are young listening now, go look it up, you'll figure it out. Um, so all of those different things combined. And then I was 
you know, I came about in the MTV generation. So I remember where I was when I first saw MTV and how important the visual part of music was. By the way, happy 40th birthday uh, to MTV. It's amazing. It's 40 years old. Um, so all of that kind of stuff happened. Uh, and then you start playing, like I said, in, in, uh, in high school bands and, you're, you know, you're playing parties or you're playing Battle of the Bands and all that kind of stuff. And then continued on throughout uh, throughout college and throughout my life. And, you know, I, I, I was actually I moved recently and I pulled out a bunch of old music equipment that I have. And I, I saw the progression, the technical progression of recording. Uh, you know, history, you know, where you're starting on two tracks, going to four tracks, going to eight tracks, going to 16 tracks, digital, all that kind of stuff and the movement to all that. So all of that kind of stuff was part of my life. And what it enabled me to do was live in these two different worlds where I had the, for lack of a better word, the jock world of the sports that I was heavily involved with. But I also had, the, you know, the music side and, and oftentimes, you know, not to get, you know, all uh, John Hughes on you or anything, but there is a separation <laughs> when it comes to some of this stuff. And so I was able to move back and forth between these, these two groups of people and have a bunch of different friends that normally wouldn't necessarily. So once again, I'm so grateful to my mother for introducing it to a wonderful love that continues, even though I don't kick the ball anymore. Um, although I'm involved in soccer, you know, music was there before the, the game and it's certainly there after the game. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. MJ? Back to being a center back. Uh, is there any center back previous, contemporary, or current that you did not play with, but wish you could? Let's see. Um, you know, I see someone nowadays like um, like a Walker Zimmerman, which I, which I really like. You know, I played with Eddie Pope, but not a long time. And, you know, to see, you know, he was a whole nother step up of center backs when he came about we all looked around and said holy crap this this is a this is a whole other time even played with him for a little bit was wonderful i would like to play longer uh with him and you know then as we go through the years you know your uh your carlos bocanegras uh that have been around guccione with these types of players it would have been fun to see what it was like on that field because as center backs and for the most part the u.s team over the years has played four in the back so there's this tandem and this pairing that happens in the middle and you, you got to have a, a coordination and understanding by the way right now with the u.s men's national team there's a real question as to who is going to be that pairing i think a lot of people in pen will put John Brooks, but who is going to be that second? And we saw, you know, someone like Miles Robinson in the Gold Cup. And so I think there's, there's a real opening there for somebody. But whoever that is, it's I mean, that is the spine that they talk about right there. And, the you know, the last, not the last, but the second to last uh, in terms of, of defense uh, when it comes when it comes to defending. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of other other players out there. But those are a couple of players that I think would have been uh, kind of fun. I would have loved to play from the, on the women's side. I would love to have played with uh, Becky Sobrin because yeah. I think she's, she's wonderful. And even when Julie Ertz actually uh, played, she was Julie Johnson at the time, played at center back. I thought she, yeah. she still was a very good center back, even though she's moved to the midfield. That would have been really fun to play with someone, uh, uh, someone like her. Cool. Uh, well, let's, let's go back to music. Um, and you are wearing a rat shirt. You are unabashed rat and hair metal guy. Yep. What drew you to that kind of music and why should all the haters suck it? <laughs> all right. So so my music evolution, uh, you know, Jessica, you were you were asking me earlier a little bit about you know, where, where it came from. Uh, so, you know, I grew up, like I said, in the seventies and eighties, I remember where I was when I put the needle down for the first time on whole lot of love from Zeppelin. And it just blew my mind and changed my world. I remember being 11 years old at the Pine Knob music theater in uh, Clarkston, Michigan, seeing, uh, Pat Benatar on the uh, Crimes of Passion tour uh, as my first concert ever and just looking and going, holy crap, this is the best thing in the world and I want more of this. I remember walking into uh, Kobo Arena in Detroit or Joe Louis Arena in Detroit and seeing, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Slippery When Wet tour with Bon Jovi or the Hysteria tour with Def Leppard. But 
I'm telling you, I mean, when it comes to everybody has the ones that just hit them and you can't explain why the first time I ever saw and heard rat, because once again, I was growing up in the 80s. So it was all about the video. Um, it changed my life forever. It's the greatest rock and roll band that I've ever heard. Uh, I will fight anybody when it comes to that. And we all have our thing. And this is this is my thing. I love it. And I, I think I think they're so wonderful. Um, you know, over the years, I've had the incredible fortune at times to to meet them. And I'm more nervous when that happens than anything else that I've ever done in my done in my life, because you are turned back into that kid. And, you know, that kid was a Midwestern kid sitting in his living room watching, especially when it comes to like the, the 80s glam hair, whatever you want to call it. That was a whole nother world. That was that was L.A. Yes, was. That was Hollywood. And it was about as far from my little suburban uh, Midwest upbringing than I could possibly imagine. And I, I wanted it. I wanted it all, even though I couldn't, I certainly couldn't, uh, couldn't have it. But the closest that I could get was at least holding this, this record of these, uh, these incredible musicians and these idols, as far as I was concerned. And having big a hair. huge Def Leppard fan. Oh huge. my goodness. He, I can't believe you saw hysteria. I'm. Oh yeah. I've seen Def Leppard uh, so many times. And, and, you know, when, when pyromania first came out for a lot of us, again, that was like our introduction because as you know, Def Leppard was, was much bigger in, uh, in Europe. The UK, yeah. And, yeah. And so, and you know, they were on that whole front of, uh, of metal. It was coming out then from, uh, from England, but when, when, uh, when pyromania came out, I mean, I had the poster in my, in my wall of the pyromania, um, uh, album uh, of the band, everything. I mean, I learned every single word for, of that entire album. I sang at the top of my lungs, you know, whether it's rock, rock till you drop or obviously photograph and all the different too late photograph, for love, all classic. that kind of stuff. Still love that song. Oh my God. And then for them to take whatever four years off after the, you know, the, you know, the incredible situation with, uh, with Rick Allen and, and losing his arm and then to come incredible. back and not only to come back, but to come back bigger and better. And well, Mark Lang as a producer, I mean, I can go on and on and on about, about Def Leppard and how it, how important they were in terms of my my musical background um, and, you know, how important they were in terms of growing up. They were the sound, the proverbial soundtrack mm -hmm. of uh, of my life. But it wasn't just metal. So, you know, I was into like John Mellencamp back then. He was John mm -hmm. Cougar or John Cougar Mellencamp, depending on you. Look, Tom Petty, as I said, Zeppelin, uh, the Beatles and then a whole nother, you know, like. Uh, uh, Duran Duran and Nick Kershaw and The Cure and, you know, the list goes, the alarm, all the, you know, the list goes on and on. And air supply. Yeah, I'll fight for air supply. Absolutely yeah. no problem fighting for, uh, for air supply and all these different bands. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of steeped in the 80s uh, and, mm -hmm. and obviously into the 90s. But, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of times when you're in high school and I was in high school in, in, the, in the 80s, that's a lot of times where it kind of imprints on you. At least it did mm -hmm. back when music was very different oh 100 my my first uh concert ever was the bad tour in 1988 at the met center in uh, oh really Bloomington. and then uh yeah i was six years old and then my first concert that i like i remember bits and pieces of the bad tour first concert i really remember going to was uh when i was 13 1995 roy wilkins yep. auditorium in saint paul primus the big brown wow. beaver tour so oh yeah i was i speaking of minnesota I, I went to shows in minnesota because we used to do the um I guess it was the, the us, the, not the us festival, but the U S festival or whatever it was called at the Blaine, uh, uh, whatever the Blaine Minnesota, um, complex out there. And so the sports center, national sports, sports center. center. Yeah, exactly. We yep. used to, we used to go there and we used to, you know, play games and we used to show up with the, the national team. And a lot of times with the under 23, which was the Olympic team for the 92, uh, Olympics. And right. we used to stay out there 
And we used to go to concerts in, I can't remember what the local dome was, wasn't, you know, the arena the was there. Well, whatever, whatever. No, it was. no, no, not the Metrodome. What was the other one? No, no, it was a one. small one. It was a smaller one. So it yeah. was the hockey arena, whatever the old hockey arena. I don't know. I guess where the North Stars used to play. Dino Cicerelli. I don't know. Whatever. The Met Center. The Met Center. Whatever no, 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 it was. I remember seeing the, Don Henley uh, there. Oh, I remember wow. seeing Ziggy Marley there. I remember seeing the B-52s there because uh, it was oh, right kind of in our backyard as we were staying there. I've seen a great I've seen many B, great B-52 shows. It's, a, oh. it's awesome. So. All right. Uh, well. Let's get back to more, more music. Um, Jess, your question. Sure. So um, I personally identify as a ginger, culturally speaking. Um, Dave, I was going to ask you if you also identify as a ginger personally. Zeller. Not, I have red in my beard. I think it's, it's more Scottish than it is uh, Irish. So. Well, is there a different, well, this gets right into my question. Is there... What is it to be a ginger? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask that because Alexi, your, I think it was your second solo album was mm -hmm. Ginger. Yep. Um, and that's when you were rocking still that long iconic hair and had your, your game face on, if you oh, will. Yeah. So um, I was wondering why you chose Ginger as the, to name that album and sure. what, sure. Um, how you would define like say hashtag ginger life or what does it mean to be a ging? Right. Got it. Got it. I mean, uh, so that album sold at least three copies. Uh, may, uh, my mom was one of them. I, mean, I think she promised me she was, but um, so look, the, the mutant gene, we all know that uh, you don't have to outwardly show your gingerness, right? It, it can be dormant and it doesn't mean that you are any more or less of uh, of a ginger. So fear not, David, uh, you're okay. Uh, you're one of us. My wife and I are doing our, our, uh, our best to continue and not to go extinct. And I, I get, cause there's articles <laughs> on about just, there's articles every year that come out and say, uh, you know, the redheads are dying out and eventually in 50 years, we're all going to be gone. Everything like that. Well, we've done our part. We got two that we've, we've, uh, we've put out here into the world that are going to carry on, uh, as we say, um, you and Conan O'Brien, apparently. There we go. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it, it's a weird thing. I mean, we, I think Jess, you will, you will relate that we, we joke about it and everything, but it, it's not always easy growing up. Uh, look, kids, you don't want to be different when, when you're a kid and when you stand out and I grew up, uh, like I said, in Detroit, but I also grew up in Athens, Greece. And you think it's difficult just in a, an American setting. Uh, you put yourself as the uh, the American kid who doesn't speak Greek with red hair, by the way, uh, in uh, in a situation in Athens, Greece. And it's it's not the easiest thing uh, in the world. But, you know, you learn to not only accept it, but you learn to to own it and recognize that it does make you kind of special and and not just aesthetically in the way you look. But it's something that you take. Ultimately, I think you do take uh uh, take pride in it. Yeah, you're going to take some, some ribbing and, and maybe some bullying along the way, but I, I maintain a fierce pride when it comes to the entire redhead nation and, and the, uh, the mutant gene that exists, uh, that exists out there. And, you know, we have, I don't know, you'll pass people on the streets and we'll give a, a knowing nod as, you know, part of the, part of the family and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And, and, you know, and when I, when it came time, I grew as much as I possibly can. I wish I could still, I wish I could still do that. And, uh, you know, as you get older and older, the red kind of, uh, kind of fades. So, if you got them, smoke them while you got them. If you, if you got that red hair and, and flaunt it while you uh, can, because it might not might right. not always be there on the outside. But once a ginger, always a ginger. And really, when it really comes down to it, when it comes to the mutant gene, that's something that's on the inside. And that will manifest in a lot of different ways. 
and any any insights into the naming yeah, it was of just, the I mean, like, I've level? always been called red or ginger. Obviously, the ginger part is much more kind of international and, and, uh, and British in, in the way that they, they talk about that, that. And so when it came time, you know, we were doing the artwork for it and it was you know, very much <laughs> in that color. It just made, yeah, yeah, just big kind of shot of, uh, of all the hair and everything. Um, and then we even, you know, manipulated it with a little sepia type of stuff. So we really brought out that, that rust color, if you will. Uh, it just seemed, uh, it just seemed to work. And, uh, uh I will say yeah. being called big ginger was right. gave me a complex in terms of the ginger life right. experience. Yeah. Like as a woman being called big, anything is like, was like anathema. Right. Uh, I was like, no, I'm not big. I'm little. I'm very little and feminine and dainty. <laughs> I well, think. I mean, well, it is interesting that that we 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 take such well with such the ease in which our society uh, kind of glosses over the way that we talk about redheads and the way that we talk about you know something that really comes down to just pigmentation, right? It's uh, <laughs> the only acceptable uh, you know thing you can make fun right, of. Exactly, exactly. Well, so we oh Why wait, you know, we're that? gonna we're gonna scream and yell and and oh you can't do that or we're gonna cancel you here, but. Redheads, whatever. I mean, have 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 at it. So. Yeah, they are freaks. <laughs> yeah, they, they are freaks. Have it we does. all heard it, Tim Minchin's uh, ginger song? Yeah. What's that? Tim Minchin, uh, music comedian, has a, has a song about gingers. All right. You all, you, you all need to listen to it if you haven't. Okay. I'm definitely Google in. All right, uh, MJ, you have a you have a a good question actually. I think, and I'm. Excited to hear what Alexis' answer is to this one. So, oh, you're the one. Okay. What are your favorite trash talk moments? Either you got underneath someone's skin, or someone tried to get un into your head, and you played great anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're obviously soccer, the international aspect of it requires uh, that you at least have a, a rudimentary understanding uh, of, of as many different languages as possible. And, and a lot of us that have been around kind of speak soccer. Um, when it comes to these uh, languages and so you understand you get the gist of what is uh, what is being said so um you know i i remember at times actually in college speaking of the redhead stuff i remember at times where one side of the field would uh scream rocky and the other side of the field would scream dennis and for those that don't know mask was a a, a movie many many years ago <laughs> you know about a, a long-haired redhead kid who you know had a deformity at birth and Cher was in it. It's actually a, a, a really uh, interesting movie. But you know they were equating that, and so I mean they were merciless in terms of what of what they did. But at least if, if you're gonna do something, if you're gonna make fun of somebody, if you're gonna ha have a poke at somebody, at least have some wit. Ha make it may, uh, make it interesting. Don't go to the least common denominator out there. I've, that's that's what I've always said when it comes to trash talking. Anybody can say f this and go to hell and, and do all that kind of stuff. That's that's easy. But it's benign, right? It does. It just, it just, it doesn't land. And so I always made a point of if I was ever going to say something that it was, it, it was completely different, hopefully completely different than that person had ever heard, because then it actually seeps in, then they actually remember it. If it's something that's completely abstract in the moment and doesn't fit in the moment, those are really, really good things to if it's instead of going really loud, you go really soft, you know, it's dynamics. It's all those different things that, that, that take into account. And I always appreciated when somebody else was making fun of me or trying to get, uh, you know, get under my skin that they did it in a good way. I mean, like 
I listen to your album and it sucks. I mean, even that in and of itself, <laughs> that like I would I would turn for a second and I would we wait a second and maybe in that second that guy's passed me or something like that. But at the very least, I would say, all right, well, at least he or she did enough research to understand. And, you know, I can I can respect when that's done as opposed to the just, you know, F you, which is which is simple yeah. and easy. I get it. But once again, it's it's fleeting. It comes I mean, and goes. It you, doesn't if really. You, if you got to swear, swear within context if right you exactly can't be, if you can't be uh witty with gusto yeah right. no, if you're you gonna do it do it i mean you don't you don't yeah you go swear. full on if you're going to i mean i tell my kids all the time you can certainly swear if you want to but it, it, there's a time and place for doing that and sometimes there is no other word or phrase that will do but a lot of times there is yeah. and uh if you use those those words at that time uh you are going to oftentimes look look like that you don't have uh, the understanding and the intelligence to be able to come up with other words that would better serve the situation. And by the way, would make your point that much more clearer and better and, and resonate that much more. That's such the English major answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's not That's like the English, the, English, the English English major teacher. did anything else, right? I mean, we all know it was like, oh, what'd you major in? English. Uh, okay. And now what? Well, there you go. Right. I, I, that's what I did. I did. I, I had, was like, what, I'm in a fabulous podcasting career. That's right. what I'm I doing. Mean, <laughs> it's, it's, Speaking of more English, Jess, I think you have the next question, actually. Yes. So I, as a English major, I have to end and uh, closet word. I don't want to say wordsmith, but aspiring wordsmith, perhaps okay. um, closeted. Don't anybody ever ask me about this ever again. Um, your mom. Mm-hmm. Is the widely published American poet and playwright Anne Harding Woodworth? Really? Is that true? Isn't that true? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even just go with Wikipedia. I double checked on that one, right? Oh, that's very well. That's more, that's more than I would have done. Got to check my sources, okay? <laughs> so if I was going to be set, a, I was I was going to lose my shit if that wasn't true. No, it's true. It's definitely true. Okay, shit, not lost. <laughs> that said. Um, I wanted to know if one, if you had to pick a piece of her work that say maybe someone somewhere, a listener or not listener wanted to look at, or just to get a taste, what would you suggest? Okay. And then did, um, do you think having a poetess mother mm-hmm. influenced your songwriting abilities yeah. or lyrics? Yeah, I think, um, let me think. Uh, so like you said, so my mother uh, was a writer uh, and it, it continues to be a writer and a poet. Uh, and my father was a, um, a professor. And so I did not grow up in, the, uh, in, in, a, in a household that had any experience when it came to sports. Right. Doesn't mean that they weren't supportive. Um, as a matter of fact, they were incredibly supportive because they recognized number one, that I was good at it from a young age. And number two, it kept me out of trouble. And so yeah. they were incredibly supportive of, of what I did. However, you know, education was a huge, huge component and uh, a part of growing up. And when I say education, not just, you know, just you know, the, the traditional types of things, but, you know, I talked about debate and all that kind of stuff. They looked at it as part of their, you know, education of, of me and well, you know, my studies and what I was doing, all that kind of stuff. So that was, that was important, right? I mean, that was very, very important from, a, from an early, uh, early age. I, um, so, so important that I actually graduated college when I was 44 years old. I went back and, um, 
uh, graduated because it was important to me and it was I wanted I wanted to do it for my parents and for me and all that all that kind of stuff. Uh, as far as my mom's poetry, I mean, there's so much. She just she's constantly churning it out and she's wonderful and she operates on a whole nother level. But I definitely feel like I got my if there is any uh, level of creativity that I have when it comes to to music and the arts. For, like I said, she exposed me to it from from a young age and she would you know read poems and she would read books and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you can you can find it out there. I'm not going to give you specific ones to to go uh, and, and read out there. Uh, she's, you know, at times she is incredibly topical about, you know, reflecting the world in which she lives in. But obviously she's lived a long life, too, and has this breadth of experience that that she uh, that she draws upon. You know, and she's a this is what happens when a girl from Jersey meets a, a guy from Athens, Greece, who comes right. over from university. You're looking at it here. And, you know, my parents. They, they were divorced a long time ago, but they've gone on in different ways and had wonderful lives and, and found other, um, you know, a husband and a wife uh, and 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 they're doing wonderful things and knock on wood, they're uh, they're healthy and doing some uh, things and getting through all this kind of stuff. But I couldn't be prouder of both of them, including including my mom for and more thankful for giving me that creative part of uh, of my life and making it OK and encouraging me, you know, when it came to writing, whether it was writing poetry, whether it was writing music, whether it was just writing in general, whether it's even writing, as you know, just, just to just throw away. I mean, just just the actual act and the exercise of it can be incredibly helpful and cathartic. And if you're trying to get to a place, oftentimes it's kind of like, uh, you know, television work. I, I tell people what you actually ultimately see in that 30 seconds that you see me on television is only the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much other work that's been done to get to that. But unless you have that foundation and all that work, then that 30 seconds that you ultimately see will suffer. And so you really have to be doing a lot of stuff that goes on the cutting room floor as it does in writing and filmmaking and all the other arts out there. So yeah, so it's, it's an amazing thing, but yeah, I love, uh, I love my mom and she's a wonderful, wonderful poet. Um, and I'm incredibly proud of, of, I mean, she's prolific, prolific at this point. I know she's working on a whole nother batch of poems, uh, that you can, you know, meander with poetry and poetry books. I think it's hard sometimes to kind of read them like a regular book. You kind of have no. to pick and choose. I'm going to read a poem here, then I'm going to read a poem here, and stuff like that. And they're not really made for that. You just kind of have to put them in the in the in the book, but they're not kind of chapter esque. Although she has done some more long form type of stuff. Kind of like albums. Yeah, kind of like albums, you know, or double albums uh, <laughs> or concept uh, albums. <laughs> MJ, what, what do you got here? Uh, you, this is this is a rapid fire one for you, uh, Alexi. So. Okay, okay. I will try say to be the rapid. name of seven teammates from 1994, okay. and you give me one or two word responses. Okay. Okay. Tony Miola. Tones, big tones in goal. All right, best best. This is more than two words, but uh, incredible with his feet uh, and a man out of time. If he was playing today, given the fact that goalkeepers have to use their feet. Uh, he would be so much more valued than he already is. Okay, let's try this again. I'll say the name of seven teammates from 1994. You give me a paragraph on each player. <laughs> um, Clay Kuman. Nuts, absolutely nuts. What and but what a, a gentle giant. Uh, you know, he he he's one of those guys. You get on the field and something switches in that the the wonderful cuddly friendly kind guy that was there at the bar hanging out with you <laughs> it, it is completely gone and you have to get out of the way because something something bad is about to happen and I, and I love him John Harkins 
John Harks, uh, Captain for Life, uh, just a, you know, a pioneer in that, you know, now we talk about so many players going over to Europe and stuff like that. He was doing it before that pathway even opened up and he just kind of rushed through it with a battering ram and didn't take no for an answer. And it was an amazing trailblazer for everybody. And I looked up to him uh, when it came to him being a captain and him being on the field uh, or just in the room. Former Atlanta Silverbacks head coach, Eric Winalda. Eric is an unfiltered mess and I can't explain it, but I will always have a piece of, of him in my heart. And I will always find a way to, uh, to back him up. And this is, this is legendary stuff we're talking, talking about here. Um, I think, I think he thinks about the game in a really unique way. And I would love for him to find that perfect spot where you could access all of the, the information and the true talent that exists there. I don't know if ever that's ever going to happen, but it would be fun to see. Someone you mentioned earlier, Marcelo Balboa. Yeah, just a tiger. I mean, just an absolute tiger. And, and once again, just a, a very gentle, soft-spoken player off the field. Um, but if there was ever someone to have your back, either on and off the field, that's, uh, that's someone that you want. You know, if we're going into a fight, I, I definitely want him on my side because he too will switch. <laughs> We all were. We were nuts back then. And we probably still are. Coach Boran Militinovich. Changed my life. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm talking to you today is because of the summer of 94 and the World Cup, the Men's World Cup in 1994. Uh, he gave me an opportunity. Um, there were other players that were probably as good, if not better. Uh, and he had my back and let me play. And I stepped on the field in front of a billion people. And one of the reasons, like I said, I'm talking to you today is because of the success of that. I lived the power of what a World Cup can do to an individual, and Bora gave me that gift. I actually saw him uh, last week in Las Vegas at the Gold Cup, and it, it's amazing to be able to see someone, um, but more importantly, to thank somebody for changing your life, and he did. And we don't often get that opportunity, so I suggest if there are people out there, teachers, mentors, uh, coaches out there, anybody that, that is affected your life in a positive way. I know, I know they don't do it to receive that gratitude, but don't waste time. Make sure that they understand how important, uh, important it was. They will absolutely appreciate it. Follow-up question before I get to my last name, and that is, do you have any Bora-isms that he would say on repeat that he tried to drill into you? Yeah, so Bora was famous, and for, for those that don't know, Bora Milutinovic uh, was our coach in 1994, and um, uh, he was nuts. Uh, he he went and he coached like five different teams at the World Cup. He's he's got an incredible life and history when it comes to the game. But what at that point back in 1994, he was obsessed with. Um, there were these stores called Successories where they would sell all of these different tchotchkes and knickknack type of things that had, um, you know, like mottos and creeds and basically Ted talk versions of, or of like a, of a tweet basically, cause really small and efficient and short, you know? And so he would, he, that's how he would try to connect. Cause he, he spoke like five languages and didn't speak any of them well, including English. And he was like this mixture of, of Yoda and Yogi Berra in the way that he talked to us. And so he would buy these accessories and whether it was a calendar, or it was a poster, it was a t-shirt or whatever, and then think that that was the way to connect with us. And so um, I'll never forget. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why to this day, I, I, I end my podcast with it. Uh, I have it on my Twitter feed. Um, he came in and he had bought a thing for accessories that said, um, 
seize the day, you know, carpe diem, right? And he couldn't pronounce seize. And so he thought that it was size the day. And I never forget him running around the locker room before the game, getting, getting, trying to get us pumped up, screaming, size the day, size the day, size the day. And none of us had the heart to tell him or anything. I mean, he was in the moment. He was going, just let him go, right? And so we let, we, we, we let him go. And I, I'll always remember that and cherish that because in a way it kind of works too because you do have to look at what the day is giving you and be able to recognize it before you size it up, right? seize it. So, yeah. so anyway, I remember that uh, specifically. Uh, you know, but there are a lot of stories about Bora because he would drive you absolutely nuts as a player because he was constantly testing you everything that you did, every move that you made, every word that you said, you know, how you tied your your shoes on the field. That was up for debate and discussion because he, he recognized that details matter and small things matter. And he was trying to assess all of the different players that he had. And so he needed to kind of test us at every given moment, whether it was during the 90 minutes or during the 22 and a half hours off the field. Right. Last, last name, Claudio Reyna. Claudio, um, one of the great players in history uh, that I was privileged to play with. Um, other than Tab Ramos, I think from a men's perspective, the most creative uh, and technical player ever. What always amazed me about him was he was faster with the ball than without the ball. We've all seen those types of players. That it's, it's just uncanny. I don't know how they do it. And yet he never looked like he was moving fast. In, in, a, in a certain way, if you watch, uh, if you watch Gio, his son, uh, play now, he does a lot of that where he just kind of glides. And the danger is that you feel like he doesn't care or he's not actually giving 100%. And the reality is that he's just so silky smooth that he makes it look e easy. And for those of us that, let's say, aren't fleet of foot or never were fleet of foot, um, it can be <laughs> incredibly demoralizing to see somebody look like they are exerting very, very little energy and yet getting so much in return. All right. Our final question of the uh, Alexi Asinine answer thing um, is Jess, and then uh, we'll take a break um, and then we can we'll come back and we'll talk actually about the actual Minnesota United match. But uh, okay. Jess, you have the last question. All right, I saved the best for last because I know that we are all dying to know the answer to this and my fingers are crossed. I have a stake in the answer. Okay. The Gypsies opened up for Hootie and the Blowfish's European tour in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. um, you released Woodland mm -hmm. album with the Gypsies. Um, was that 94, I believe? Something like that, yeah. So first... Part one, any correlation between that 94 Woodland, that's the only Gypsies album, and post, I mean, were there some shenanigans on tour? Give us the dirt. <laughs> so the, the album that you're talking about, Woodland, actually is the only album that is not available. Um, it was with a band that I had through college and then with the 94 world cup obviously you, know, you got a great platform you want to put something out and so that was a collection it was actually half acoustic half with the band mm -hmm. and it's out there some people have it but it's like a i guess it'd be a collector check your basement i don't know about it's a collector's item believe me it's, it's really not not that valuable uh or life or earth shattering when it comes to it but that's that's what that was um then i then i had a band that i started recording stuff with and going out mm -hmm. just simply as myself and so that was with with that band 
uh, from college. And then I started to go out and we had a blast actually with the Hootie guys. Had so much fun touring around. They were so nice to bring us out on, on tour. And look, you know, as, as an opening band, you have a job to do, right? But you also have a challenge. Um, and, you know, we were a little bit more harder rock pop type of stuff than, uh, than Hootie was. And they're not there to see you. They're there to nope. see, the, uh, see Hootie. And they're so you come out there and you, done. yeah, you gotta, you gotta win them over. Right. And it's, and it's not easy. And so you're trying to get them up and, you know, people are just coming into the venue and all that kind of stuff. But we learned a tremendous amount just being on tour and uh, you know, just being that opening band type of situ uh, situation. It was really, really fun. I'm glad that I did it. And I actually, I just saw them right before the, the beginning of the pandemic. I saw the guys again, they did a show here in LA at the whiskey and it was so fun to see them we had such a fun time even off stage uh, in a lot of the different places that that we went some epic epic nights and i saw them um and they're obviously huge sports fans including uh huge soccer fans especially when it comes to uh jim the uh the drummer who played uh soccer in college uh and played soccer growing up and he's still a huge huge soccer fan i just was emailing with him a couple days ago actually that's awesome so part two any chance we're going to see a reunion album <laughs> well, listen, you, you will recognize that anybody that has any type of creative or artistic bone in their body will have done something, will have some sort of project over the last couple right. of years. And there is going to be a glut of horrible and crappy stuff that is going to be unleashed on the world out there. And, and listen, I'm part of that. So I got I'm sitting in front of actually a Pro Tools session right now. I have a, I have a whole album in the can. I don't know if it's any good. Uh, I'll, at some point, I'll put that out and continue on. I keep releasing albums every couple of years. It's just straight up pop rock type of stuff. You can put it in your car, crank it up, put the windows down uh, and drive really, really fast. Asked or really, really slow. It doesn't really doesn't uh, doesn't matter. I'm in search for uh, the eternal search for the 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 perfect pop song. I'm never going to find it. It's okay. It's just a, this quest that I know I'm never going to uh, fulfill when it comes to, to finding that. So I'll put out a whole another thing as I'm sure a lot of people will put out stuff. So yeah, there's definitely going to be a new album uh, at some point, maybe this fall or maybe next. Well, month. I can rest or you should rest assured. Okay. It will sell at least three copies, one to me, one to MJ and one to Zeller. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got four, maybe if I can convince my mother. Perfect. All right, good. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, can we take a, a quick break? We'll be back and we'll talk about actually about Minnesota United. How's that cool. sound? There we go. And welcome back. Uh, so we, we just had a very uh, super awesome Ask Alexi Asinine inquiry segment. Uh, thank you, Alexi, for doing that. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of me. That's a lot of me. I hope uh, you can fast forward. I'm, I'm sure many of you have fast forwarded to this part of the pod here now. So now we'll get into the real stuff. Hopefully. Um, but hopefully they actually we loaded you on purpose to hopefully they're now asleep <laughs> and they'll have finished the entire episode. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so you guys are uh, you guys are still in MLS, right? Uh, that, uh, the loons there, right? We still are. All We're right. In the crest, cool. as you say. And <laughs> let's talk about what the hell just happened. Uh Minnesota United 2, Houston Dynamo 0. Uh, a very good game, uh, pre-match. Uh, the, uh, I don't know, I, as someone who uh, experienced the Dylan Whoppers Derby when I was in Iceland, uh, the, the fact that the team has just really embraced it is, is not a great thing. I don't get it. That's During the U.S. Good. Open Cup, 
one year was it 2018 don't, mj don't explain it okay okay uh <laughs> minnesota goes back to a, a, a similar 4-2-3-1 that they did in vancouver however uh gasper back in for taylor uh hayes out who knew's up top uh do dotson dropped to the midfield lude renoso finley across the midfield and uh who knew up top so um that's you know it's a pretty good general what we expect for minnesota united lude on the right finley on the left yes yes yeah. as they should be as they should be as they should be we spent so much fucking time on this goddamn fucking podcast advocating <laughs> for lude on the right and then finley on the left so uh lots of action early but in the 14th minute minnesota gets a goal uh lude uh gets the goal hard shot from will trap what he's like probably about 25 yards out or so ish um marco merch uh spills the ball and lude everybody in houston is ball watching by the way lude is the only one who runs to the ball and he finishes that's a great that's a great fucking start for minnesota united lude normally finishes at the end of games not the beginning games it all starts with Gasper's diagonal ball to Reynoso. He passes to Lode. Lude tries this cheeky heel behind the back pass to himself, but Valentin, in the, maybe the one good thing he did all game, kicks the ball, but to the middle. Shouldn't try to clear the ball up the middle. Uh, Unu eventually corrals the ball, passes it back to Trap, and then as soon as Trap shoots, Tim Parker. Uh, Zarek Valentin at all, none of them see Lude's run. Oh, so Valentin just... Parker turns around and is chasing after him. It's too late. Yeah. And so my my question for Alexi is, how much was not ball watching or keeping your head on a swivel preached in your youth career, uh, college career at Rutgers or, uh, you know, at any level, how much was that tried to drill into you? And was there a certain coach that, you remember like that was mainly their focus. Yeah, I mean, when you watch when you watch that play, uh, obviously it's a long distance shot. So the ball's in the air for a long time. Uh, you, you said that people were caught ball watching. I mean, what was the Houston uh, goalkeeper's name again? Marich. 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 It, maybe he should have actually been watching the ball because obviously <laughs> he wasn't. I mean, he I should, mean, have, caught, he should have caught it. He should have that caught is it. a yes. gift. All right. He was able to see it. It was in the air forever. I know it was going fast, but you got to hold on to that. And that, I mean, just just right there on the doorstep. But your, to your point, you're taught when a shot happens to turn around, go because something is going to happen at some point and your goalkeeper is going to take his eye off the ball. There is going to be a deflection or something, uh, something like that. So look, it, if if you have that reactive type of player who sees, you know what, a hundred times I'm going to do this and 99 times nothing's going to come from it. But that one time that I do follow it up, same in hockey or anything else, rebounds, rebounds, rebounds. Okay. At least you have to be thinking, what if, what if you have to be thinking as a defender and you have to be thinking as a forward, what if, and if you're not thinking that, and in that moment, when that long shot comes, if you're the Houston defense, what if this is that one time out of 100 where he bobbles it and I don't turn around? And, and it all would, would have taken was a couple of steps here, even to be close to make a play. But as you, as you said, nobody, are we calling him Lude? What are we calling him? Because everyone, Lude, 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 
right. I mean, I, 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 I want Lod because I want it to kneel before <laughs> Lod, but it, it is lewd. Yes. But he had the wherewithal and he had the sense and he, he had the he was able to smell an opportunity and, you know, fortune favors the brave. Yeah, that's 100 percent correct. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so sure. Sure. After uh, Houston gets into their uh, yellow card ways, um, I, I found out uh, after this game that Houston is the most yellow carded team <laughs> in MLS right now. Is this coming as a surprise? You were at the match. I yelled the entire time when Valentin was in front of me. Um, I. I see a lot of Gasper and I saw a lot of Valentin the first half of the match based on where my set, my seats are. And he's a handsy motherfucker. And I stood up uh, at least twice and I try to keep my seat because I know there are lots of people behind me. I'm not that tall though, but I do still try to keep my seat until I just can't. And he had me on my feet twice within like two minutes, just handfuls of Jersey handful, like, Get off my players. You didn't ask for consent. Like, put 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 your hands at your side in a natural position. Uh, to Zarek Valentin's credit, he is uh, definitely down with the iron front. So, What's that mean? We'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> uh, yellow cards in the 20 and 21st minute to Memo Reyes and Sam Junqua. Um, Second half starts. Okay. So the, the Junko one was horrible. It, it was from behind on, on Dotson. Um, I'm not saying it should have been a red, but I mean, what a reckless, horrible challenge that was. Yeah. I'll say a thing here too. Um, the first 25 minutes, Minnesota United looked really fucking good. Like <laughs> really fucking good. Um, and then for like the like the next twenty five minutes or so, they like they looked like they were just like kind of keeping it in or whatever. Um, Alexi, I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts on. Well, I mean, I I look, I I look at the team much more of a national perspective, right? Um, you know, because and 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 by the way, we're getting ready to broadcast your loons this weekend on Big Fox. Exactly, I mean, listen, you guys. You deserve it. You deserve it. You're an interesting and an entertaining team. Uh, You're a team that I think is certainly heading in the right direction. I mean, if you just look at it from a performance perspective, you had that horrible start, oh, right? And, and you know, you have four, four losses in a row, and everybody's thinking, oh, my goodness, what's going on, especially with what happened last season? So is there a problem? How do we fix it? And all that kind of stuff. And since then, you've had one loss since then, right? And, uh, you know, that that shows that, well, a couple of things. It shows that this team is good. Uh, it, it shows that this team has depth, but it also shows that, you know, when, when some injuries happen here or there, you get everybody rolling and functioning and on the field, this team can, can compete with anybody out there. And, you know, now you're sitting in a good place when it comes to the, uh, to the standings. And, you know, these dog days of summer, especially when you have two games in a week, it can be great. It can be horrible, uh, but it can change the perception very, very quickly. You look at how we think about, you know, Inter-Miami a couple of weeks ago and how we think about them now or Atlanta and how we think about them now. So you get a couple of wins in a row, as we know, with this crazy league that we have and the manufactured parity uh, that we have. You get you get 
you get on a roll and and you're looking really good. I think you you maybe are harder on this team seeing it game in and game out mm-hmm. than we are from the outside. From the outside, I think we look at it certainly in terms of uh, in context of not having a very good beginning and then kind of straightening things out. But you don't just want to coast along. You want this team to live up uh, to the billing. They've certainly spent money. They certainly have uh, some some stars. And the expectation of you and everybody that goes to that stadium is that they are going to give you something to scream and uh, scream and yell about. I think that this is absolutely a playoff team, um, and I think that this is a team that will have benefited from what happened, the experience that they had. Uh, last year in, uh, in in the playoffs, if they can continue on, got to stay healthy, just like a, just like any team. And you know, the Houston Dynamo is not a great team; they're reeling right now. So, if you're Minnesota United in 2021, which is very different than previous years, but if you're Minnesota United sitting here right now in 2021, uh, this is a game that you have to win. You went out there, you were the better team, you got the three points, and this is what is expected of the Loons at this point uh, at this point in time. Now, this weekend, you come up against an LA Galaxy that is much, I mean, dramatically improved uh, from last year, and there's still the LA Galaxy. You get them at home, uh, you get them at home again. You know, is this a game that you should win? N- not necessarily because of how good the LA Galaxy is, but given oh, hey, the Alexis, confidence that you've had over hold, the last hold on, hold you know, on, couple buddy. months, We're, it's good. We'll we'll get there. Wait. Okay. We're gonna get there. Okay. Sorry. Right. Are we? I don't, I don't care. Veto. So the LA Galaxy, I would, I would argue, is the must win. I don't think Houston was so much. I mean, technically, they're the halfway point through the season. But we, I don't think they were as dire a win we, as if we can put up a showing against LA Galaxy. I think that speaks um, louder to our You guys are going to get pretty of news. Let's wrap up Houston. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can we please just wrap up Houston? It's Houston. You just, won. What do you want, a medal? I, yeah, no, we do Freddie and Deuce. All right. Are we, are we going to talk about the second goal? I mean, uh, Alexi, I, I would say Reynoso is the is the clear Freddie and Deuce winner here. I don't know. What's that mean? What is what is the Freddie and Deuce? Oh, so, so we have... So Freddie Adu's are the uh, the the greatest and the shittiest player okay. award. So okay. uh, you pick up for both teams. Uh, Freddie Adu uh, for Reynoso, yes, best player. I don't I don't have one for Minnesota United. I don't think there was a, a terrible para player. Okay, so only a good Freddie Adu for MNUFC for you this week. This week, yeah, but he should be the best. I mean, he's yeah. a great player, and he's your designated player, and he's your star, and he should be starring each and every game. So congratulations, yep. he did that. Right, MJ, like I said, you guys beat Houston. MJ, who you got? Will Trap. His yeah. work on both sides of the ball was impeccable. Great defensively, great incisive passes, um, set up that first goal. And then my bad for you do for Minnesota United is uh, Abila. Yeah. Bye. Well, because well, he, he's, he's going to be gone. Uh, yeah, he 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 he, 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 did, he, did he did something. Maybe not his fault that that he didn't like and and or the club didn't like and. Now he's he's been out of the game day twenty for the last three matches. Yeah, and but then he but rumors he are that he's he's going somewhere else. But that was a rumor before. I mean, we put him in on Saturday, right? That and he was kind leaving. of tongue in cheek, Jessica. Like like he didn't even play a second of this game, and he's getting the worst Freddie do. No one ah, played horrible. It's a joke. No one played horrible for the loons. On right. Saturday. I had no a hard one. time. Yeah. So I had to pick someone. Uh. Oh, it all makes sense now. All right, Jess, who you got? 
Um, you guys are going to love this. Um, so good Miller that's save, um, yeah. I think was above and beyond. Um, not just, you know, doing his job as you would might say. Um, but I was, Okay, I know you guys have picked Metonier for your bad Freddie Adu's in recent weeks, and I've defended him because I'm a loyalist. Having said that, um, I didn't think, I think he's having a hard time finding his, his groove, his jam in some of the new lineups. And I just keep, I keep replaying in my mind, like if I think about his match, it's him facing the offend, offender, the forward or, or whoever, you know, opponent, and he's like down and he's back, you know, um, walking back, keeping, trying to defend. And, and it just wasn't, I never, it was never felt very effective. And I'm not going to say that he was like, did anything phenomenally bad. Like, like you mentioned, MJ, I had a hard time picking a bad Freddie to do this match, but, but he just doesn't feel like he's in his groove the way, I like him to be. Fair. Alexi, do you have, Alexi, any... do you have a good Freddie Do and a bad Freddie Do from Minnesota? I mean, there's only good, right? I mean, Lod, the dude's what? He got six goals so far, four assists, if I'm looking, if this is correct. He's leading the attackers in terms of possession. I mean, there shouldn't be anybody else that gets any type of MVP, man of the match, all that kind of stuff, Freddie Do, whatever, than him. I mean, <laughs> he's got. I mean, he's started 12 games, right? Yeah. I mean, he's he's your MVP so far, right? Yeah. That, that's fair. Uh, all right, Houston. Um, I'll go Marco Marich with my good Freddie to do, and I don't really have a bad one. I Benmo Rodriguez because he uh, had that shitty ass foul in the uh, in the first half, but uh, I don't know. Guess anything else? So, uh, I so was that good or bad? Is that good or bad? For oh, it's good. Marish was good. Marish was good. I don't have we a bad ju- one. We just established that he gave the team a gift and didn't save the ball. Now you're going to give him a yeah, good Yeah, no, I know. He, but he played he, actually. Listen, Alexi, he probably <laughs> should have allowed three goals like this game. He saved three goals. He had the right. two two saves on the two Reynoso free kicks. That When your team is shit, you have to like sometimes – Figure out how your uh, it's you know. it's Will Trap man save the ball okay exactly come on. <laughs> uh, I thought Joe Corona passed really well for them, and he made a lot of passes that should have led to goals. And due to defense or poor shooting, or Tyler Miller, they did they didn't go in. Um, my bad, Freddie Adu for Houston is Tim Parker for the absent-minded, not picking up Lude. Um, I had Zell, same as Zeller for, you know, Merrick. I think he, I mean, without some of his saves, we would have run away with like, you know, way more goals than we did. Um, and I would say my bad Freddie Adu is Valentine and every other handsy motherfucker getting all physical and frustrated on my dudes without their consent. So go take sexual harassment training again, whatever club, whatever, PowerPoint you need to reread. I'm sick of it. That's all. <laughs> Great. All right. Uh, so our big questions. We have uh, big questions. We always did this for Lexi. 
uh, this time. Um, so taking into consideration everything we've learned in the last five years of expansion, how would you rank the success of the loons? So we have Atlanta, Minnesota, LAFC, Cincinnati, and Miami, Nashville, Austin FC. Where would you rank the loons in okay, terms of so, uh, success? Success? Um, so well, or, they're behind guess, Atlanta and, and LAFC. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta so. won. They, they won a thing. So No, so Atlanta and LAFC are ahead. Uh, who else are we talking about? Um, Cincinnati. Every other team. Cincinnati, Inter-Miami, well, other Nashville, Austin. Team. Okay. Um, I think that they are. Yeah. So I think that they're ahead of LAFC and um, Atlanta. I think that they are tied with Nashville and then Inter and Cincinnati are, uh, are, are behind them when it comes to that. Now, now keep in mind that, you know, and I, I gave uh, the loons crap over the years. There was this incredible soft launch, if you will. It, it was, it, it was incredible. And it was uh, a soft launch. And uh, incredible for all the wrong reasons. Um, But there was a, if if there was madness, there was a, I guess, a hidden method to why this was happening with the stadium coming online in an understanding that 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 is where it was theoretically going to all come to fruition. Now, I'm not saying you went out to try to be (laughs) bad, but I think that there was a recognition that, you know, unlike a team coming out um, with a with a brand new stadium that you had this rampway up to the stadium where you're going to get a kind of second bite at the apple. And I think that that's it's commendable in that whatever mistakes you did make and there were mistakes, you rectified them and you decided to spend money in different in different ways. And some of it was, like I said, probably planned. We're not going to blow everything at the very beginning. And we're going to, you know, have a, like I said, this, this slow burn and this soft launch. Now you're into this, this hard launch where you're making the playoffs, you're having playoff games, you're in a brand new stadium, you are a vital and relevant part of uh, your community there and everything that, that you're doing. And with that comes an expectation and certainly comes an expectation uh, in the home games. I think for the most part this season, other than the very beginning, you have certainly gotten your money's worth uh, and you have certainly seen a team that you can be proud of and one that should should give you cause for optimism going in uh, to the rest of the season and certainly going uh, going into the playoffs. Is it is it better than it was last year? I mean, that was a pretty good team at the end of last year with what it was. You like to think that they've kicked on and gotten better. I'm not necessarily sure. I don't want to answer for for you guys. I'm not sure that it is yet. I'm, I've I remain to be convinced but I would definitely give it a solid in, in its, in its entire years of existence, I'm going to give the loons a good solid B in terms of what they've done. All right. So, so rank them Atlanta, Minnesota, LAFC, FC Cincinnati, inner Miami, okay. Nashville, Austin FC. Okay. So it goes, uh, Atlanta, LAFC, Nashville, Minnesota, Inter, Miami, David Beckham's Inter, Miami, and uh, Cincinnati. There you go. And then Austin FC's at the end? Who? Austin. Austin? Oh, wait, so I forgot Austin. That's right. Yeah, Austin, Austin, they can't win. You know, they, they thought, oh, we'll go on that long road trip, and then we'll come back, and everything will be fine. So Austin's going to be... Um, Austin's going to be right above Inter. So right below you guys. Okay. There we go. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, finally, my, my last question. Uh, 
Minnesota is actually one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which loon's outfit is the truest loon? So it's four, four, ma- four matches of this year or the last 13? Like, are they are they not a playoff team or are they are a are they a probably hosting a playoff t- a, a match? Yeah, they're a playoff team. I think this is a playoff team. Absolutely. I, I think you should be incredibly playoff? disappointed if this team doesn't go to the playoffs. Me are they too. hosting? Are they hosting a match? So where are you? Let me uh, let me look where you are. We're, right we're now. in fifth You're right in now. Fifth place right now. Yeah. Well. I think it's I think just. I think it's going to be on the two cusp. points behind uh, most of most of the of uh, third and fourth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're yeah, you're two points behind Colorado. Colorado's much improved this year. We talked about LA a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're hosting a match. Yeah. Okay. But all but careful because Dallas is coming on. They are. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Improve. It's gonna be fun. Improve Dallas. <laughs> I I would say David. Just because I have to disagree with Alexi Lawless, that we are a playoff team, but we don't host. Don't host, yeah. That's fair. You're wrong, but it's fair. Yeah. If we don't host, I hope Portland hosts us. So. <laughs> because then I can go visit my little brother. You and fucking, have a place you to fucking stay. cowards. <laughs> you fucking cowards. What do you mean I'm a coward? Oh, it's like it is, David. If I can't have it my way, you didn't ask what my way was. If I can't have it my way, oh. I'll have it slightly my way. My way light. Oh, um, goddamn playoff. All right. Let's, uh, how about we, we talk about uh, what happened um, very recently with Minnesota United winning 2 nothing over Houston? We just talked about that. Oh, that's right. We did. Tactical schmackle time, David. Tactical schmackle. Are we betting? David is. This is my favorite segment of the cast. All right. LA Galaxy hosts or comes to Minnesota United uh, this Saturday, 5 p.m. It's on Fox, Big Boy Fox, except if you are in Minnesota United Air Territory, it's on uh, Fox Plus because. There's a Vikings preseason preseason game, which is yeah, that makes sense. Super awesome. Uh, um, Minnesota, as of right now, it's favored. Uh, they're minus one forty five. Draws plus two eighty. LA Galaxy are plus three thirty three. Galaxy just held by Vancouver, one one. Vancouver tied Galaxy two. Yeah, they did. They just, they just. They tied us two two, and they tied them. Yeah, one one. Wow. They did, and uh, Galaxy are in LA points ahead of uh, Minnesota United right now, in terms of the uh, fifth and fourth spot in the Western Conference playoffs. Um, who do we uh, who do we worry about here for the match? Head coach Greg Vanny. I mean, look, you got you got the LA Galaxy, thirty-two points, sitting in third. Given the, the 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 failures of the last couple of years, they brought in Greg Vanny, former player, and he has you know fundamentally changed the way that we think about this uh, this LA team from a national perspective. And here, I can tell you, being in Los Angeles, he's brought hope and belief back 
that this is an LA Galaxy team that is worthy of your time. And it hasn't been worthy of your time. I mean, he even got Chicharito to start scoring before he got, uh, got hurt uh, uh, recently. But he's got him flying right now and I think feeling very confident. You mentioned you know, the game this weekend. Uh, it's not a great result against Vancouver, but they're getting points. They're, they're amassing points and they're sitting... I mean, they're they're a point out off from Seattle. We've talked so much about Seattle, and they're two points off of uh, off of Kansas City. And when it comes to the actual, uh, you know, supporter shield, you know, New England's sitting at at uh, at forty points right now. Uh, so they're going to be they're going to be hard to catch. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put it past an LA just constantly gobbling uh, gobbling up points. And I would think that LA coming into town, to your point, Jessica, if there there's certainly you can make a case that this is uh, this is a win for for the Los Los Angeles Galaxy. But if Minnesota were to come out and were to come out in emphatic fashion and beat the Los Angeles Galaxy uh, at home, I do think that that would be a, a wonderful statement of where this Minnesota team is, where we think it is, mm-hmm. but an actual visual representation of that against a team like the Los Angeles Galaxy, as opposed to someone like the Houston Dynamo, that would just be what the doctor ordered, I think. I think uh, I pissed off a lot of LA Galaxy twits not too long ago. So I'm a little bit worried about the supporters section. I'm glad I'm on the other side of the stadium. I, uh, Leggett, Sebastian Leggett. Legit, yep. Legit. Yeah, whoever. Okay. And so I said that he wasn't as hot as Tyler Miller in his walk-in business suit. And I got, um, I said, I retweet, retreat. Please don't hate me, Club <laughs> LA Galaxy. But he is really? very attractive. Well, look, if they're going to if they're going to market and, uh, you know, sell the arrival shots, of all these players, you know, getting out of the car and walking to the, the thing. And this is what this person's wearing. This is what this person's wearing. Then we're going to, you know, you, you we have to be able to judge and rate these types of shots. So I don't think that you did anything. Well, wrong. ours were the professional shots in the suits. They did a whole campaign of the boys like pool party in fucking off. Like they all hang out at the <laughs> frat club with their trunks on and abs everywhere that's how we roll in la jessica i'm sure i've never been (laughs) not sure that's gonna make me get there anytime sooner um and certainly not if i like want to leave with my life (laughs) well it it does probably help fuel the fire that tyler miller used to play for lafc Um, Mm. certainly the galaxy fans aren't aren't a big fan of that club Would, would you agree alexi uh, yes. I mean, th- this this two club situation in Los Angeles actually has been great. It's been great for soccer here. Um, you know, the classy co's and the back and forth. This is certainly a big enough city to uh, be able to field two teams. I would even argue be able to field three teams, given the Inland Empire and the Valley and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, down with Orange County and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's been great. Uh, it, it's created a rivalry within the city, both on the field and off the field with the fan bases, with the marketing, uh, with the, the battle for hearts and minds, all that kind of stuff. The new stadium, which is, by the way, where the uh, all-star game is going to be, which we are broadcasting on Fox. So we're looking forward to, uh, to that U.S. Uh, the MLS all-stars versus the Liga MX all-stars. So all that kind of stuff 
is is good stuff for for soccer in Los Angeles, and ultimately, it's good stuff for uh, I think soccer in the United States to have that type of stuff. Would if uh, if they were? I mean, I know it's crazy, but let's say that they they were to put another team in the uh, Minneapolis St. Paul area, and I know where the stadium is right now. Where would you put it to have the best possible impact and effect on that area? Minneapolis, they have to be a two-city, twin-city rivalry. St. Yeah. Paul v. Minneapolis. And you would just pick sides, but you're all kind of coming to the same uh, general vicinity and area. Well, so from a geographical perspective, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. I'm not a bandwagon rider. I've been riding this train a long time. <laughs> and it's cost me dearly in actual dollars because the more I support them, the higher the ticket prices get. Um, so I just, I couldn't at this point, but let's say I was a newcomer. There would definitely be like, I would make them work for my heart and mind. Right. Um, I would want free merch from both. I'd want to watch, you know, at least a season or two before I, I gave up the season tickets to the other one. Um, and I would, would you put, but if you were going to build a stadium, would you put it literally downtown? I mean, I know where the stadium is right now. Would that change your mind or, or, or not your, not yours, but would that change a faction of, of people that possibly could say, Hey, it's a lot more, it's easier to me for me to get there. I don't know, MJ, from a bicycle perspective or anything else, yeah, would the location no. change the way you thought about it? You may not have known this, but there was people trying to get the Minnesota United stadium yep. in Minneapolis, not downtown per se, but just North of the uh, Spoon Cherry bridge, the just North of the Walker art center uh, off of Lindale, there was, kind of this revitalized this very industrial area of, of Minneapolis just west of downtown or on the western side of downtown mm-hmm. and I would have loved that just in my Minneapolis biasness I, you know sure, that would make sure. community well, who knows many many years from now who knows maybe we'll have two uh Minnesota teams yeah uh, in- we gotta write to LA and figure out how they pulled that off because I'm now I want one <laughs> <laughs> They are the second largest metropolitan area yeah. in the United States. Brag, brag, brag. It's not always about size. We there have we an inchy. <laughs> we have an inchy. Um, How should we play them? I don't think, I mean, I don't think you need to change for them. This is a good team. Um, and Greg Vanny, I think, has an understanding of how they want to play. I think more importantly, he's just changed the expectations and the mentality of this of this team. And yes, they brought in some, some, uh, some new blood and some new players. But I just think that it had gotten to a point where the, you know, the the environment that had been created was not conducive to that team winning. And so I think Greg Vanny came in and to the extent that he has been able to move players on that's all fine and well but i think he's just changed what the expectations are so i don't think that the loons have to necessarily change the way that they play it's you got to do what you're you're doing you have to rely on your your stars to show up you have to rely on good good goalkeeping and good defense because you are going to let opportunities happen and this is not a houston team this is a team that will create opportunities uh, against you and then do what you're doing well and whether it's reynoso or Lud or anybody else, they have to step up. You know, we saw set pieces in the previous game are an important uh, component. And then use you guys, right? Use the environment and the energy and the atmosphere that's created in that uh, environment to push you uh, to push you along. Uh, if you're uh, if you're the loons, but you know, this is by by no stretch of the imagination um, an easy opponent. Mm. Uh, so you're going to have to play a very very good game. Yeah, I would say. Uh... How should we play them very carefully? 
Yeah, be smart. With precision. Um, I think it's imperative that we leave the first half leading, um, both the statistically speaking, that's a, a sweet spot for us, but also, um, well, probably because it's, in a, it's a good headspace to leave the first half in the lead. Um, if we leave the first half down, I don't think we'll come out with three points. We have to be at least tied at the half. All right. Okay. I'm going to back up what you said, Jess, and say we should definitely yeah. emphasize defense since we're going up against a better team and make sure that we don't allow any easy – No fumbling. Yeah, easily gimme goals in the, in, in the first 20 minutes or something like that. But, you know, we've shown that we can possess the ball, that we can attack and progress mm -hmm. the ball with split passing from Dotson, from a, from a trap, up to the attacking four. So, you know, once we have the ball, you know – Let's let's attack. All I'm right. talking to you, Chase Gasper. Keep it together. Zeller? What? How should we play them? Oh, um attack. Attack, 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 attack. Sweet. <laughs> the answer. That is literally we'll the only win. answer. Um, it should be the only answer, honestly. So um, <laughs> Let's take one more break and then we'll be right back. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for Alexi Lawless for joining us on this amazing podcast. Thank you so much, Alexi. We're hey. in the time. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, I, I, I do a lot of these and uh, as I tell each and every uh, person that I talk to and that I'm privileged to be able to talk to, uh, thank you. Thank yeah, you for, for everything that you guys are doing, not just for your, for your team, which, which is, it's very, very obvious that, uh, that you love, uh, but for the sport. You know, and whether you're coming at it from years and years and years or just coming at it uh, uh, because you just fell into it, um, there is something and I, th I think you'd all agree there's something for you and it's mm -hmm. something special. And I love seeing it from afar, uh, what the loons are doing and what they're doing on the field certainly is is great. But more importantly, it's about it's about that passion, that community and that family that continues uh, to grow and get bigger and it's wonderful and it's wonderful to see and uh and thank you for having me on the uh, on the pod to talk about the most important thing uh to me and that's me myself uh so that was wonderful and rat <laughs> and rat and rat and and rat you guys are doing you guys are doing a good thing and i know a lot of the people that kick the ball oftentimes get you know the credit and the accolades and the praise but this is this is a whole soccer family and we're we're working each and every day and it's not easy you know you guys are flying the flag when it comes to what we're doing and i know it's not easy uh and i know it's a, a daily type of grind at different uh uh you know at, at different stops along the way but we're growing uh, and we're getting there and we're doing it together and so it, it warms the cockles of my red-headed american heart to see uh people again? like yourselves yeah you heard it you heard it you know <laughs> long live the mutant gene and rat and uh and poetry and music and art and love and all the different and beer and <laughs> and all the different things. I hope to get up there actually at some point too. I, I had a wonderful time last time I was there and saw the, the great stadium and it's a wonderful town, 
uh, but I'd like to get back there for uh, for another game and uh, and and check it all out. Um, especially since I know that it evolves and it grows, and I know that things change as uh, as time goes on. So thank you very much. I wish you guys all the luck in the world, both on and off the field, and everything you're doing. And I hope you and yours are staying healthy uh, and safe in these crazy times. And hopefully, we're heading in a, in a in a positive direction when it comes to not just our soccer world but our world in general. So thank you. Thank you, Alexi. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. See you. As you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we yeah. do our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know what it is.